Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb show live and direct from the City of Angels. Sunny, 75, 80 degrees. Sure, there's traffic, taxes are high, but damn, it's worth it. Let's get into it. We have not yet handed out an NBA championship trophy, but it seems that most of America is ready to begin etching the names uh, into the championship trophy, the Red Auerbach Award. Uh, But how did we get here? And what does the future look like? And what did we learn from last night? And is Kevin Durant better now than LeBron James? And, and, and... And first, uh, anybody else thoroughly enjoy the first, I don't know, two-thirds of that game? That was great. And then you're like, I don't know. I was tired watching. I remember turning up the first half. I was I spent it at Colin Cowherd's house, kind of to have, have me over. We go, we eat it at halftime. And I remember going like, wow, that was a hell of a game. Like, wait, there's a whole other half left? In addition to the game being long, there was just so many plays, so many shots made. 
And it wasn't as if the Cavs came out without energy. It was, there was a, a, a game called RC Kart. Isn't my old video game RC Kart? And you used to have nitrous oxide, and you could press the turbo button for nitrous oxide, and you would, you would, you know, it would push you ahead. It would give you a turbo. It's like holding down the turbo, uh, the speed button in Madden. It was as om- almost as if the Cleveland Cavaliers played the entire first half holding down the nitrous button. They come to the second half and there is no button or there is no juice in that part of the tank. Whereas the Golden State Warriors almost have an unlimited amount of it. Like LeBron wasn't bad. I thought he was very good. I don't know if he was great. Uh, and by the way, while... While I I think plus minus is a is is just another good um, form of analytical stats. Keep in mind, LeBron James had a minus eleven, which was not the best on the team. Kevin Love had a better p- plus minus. Who played better last night, LeBron or Kevin Love? But I'm I'm left with with just this one very very easy take, and then a bunch of others. And I welcome yours. 877-996-6369. It's as simple as this. That's why. Right? That's why. Why would Kevin Durant leave everything he knew to not go home to D.C., not go to New York, not go to L.A.? Instead, he's joining Steph Curry's team. Oh, He took the criticism of so many of the former stars, many of them who had switched teams themselves. And that's why. Because now we're having the conversation. And and look, the conversation is more true than it is made up. I still think LeBron is terrific. But I'm willing to, much like I'm told from LeBron guy, I have to be willing to concede that LeBron could be in the conversation of Jordan. Okay. I'm willing to have that conversation. I still take Jordan. LeBron is incredibly physically dominant. There are some holes in his game. There's holes in everybody's game. Um, but I also believe that if you're going to have that conversation about LeBron James being somewhere in the neighborhood of Michael Jordan, can we have the conversation that Kevin Durant is in the neighborhood of LeBron James? Can we have that? And the reason is all you've seen in games one and game two. That he can play just okay in the first half, take over late, and his team win going away. That's game two. That he can carry a team in game one. That he has the space to be himself. Also, though, that his defense is called upon. Like, just be honest for a second. Did you know that Kevin Durant would have a five-block game in him? The answer is probably not. It's one thing to find a championship team that welcomes you in. It's another thing to find a championship team that fits the style by which you want to play and makes you look better. But this is why guys leave. there's, There's only two reasons you leave. For the money or for the glory. Like Albert Pujols hit his 600th home run for the Angels this past weekend. Did you know it? Like, I I just, this is a question to you, honestly. Did you know it? 
I would guess baseball guy, if you flipped it on, you might have known it. I only know it because I'm an Angel fan, because I know guys in the Angels organization that were hoping he wouldn't hit it for another, like, 10 home games, because it's literally the only reason to go to an Angel game right now, because Mike Trout's not playing. Like Mark of the marketing guy's like, oh, let's strike out 10 times. But Albert Pujols left for the money, right? He had already been a part of World Series team. He'd already done that thing, and he just wanted to cash in. It's generation-changing wealth, $300 million. And by the way, to Pujols' credit, he did not actually take the top bid, if you remember. The Marlins were the top bid. And to the St. Louis Cardinals' credit, they offered him a good deal, but they offered him just enough to make it look like it was they wanted him, but not so much to which they knew they could keep him. But Pujols left for the money, and so Pujols cannot go and complain and say, Hey, man, you don't have a, cha- a championship team around me. Like, dude, look, dude, you came to the Angels. That's part of the deal. It's like Robbie Cano when he took all that money from the Mariners. Can't complain. You're in New York. New York has a tendency to figure it out. St. Louis has a tendency to figure it out. And you sacrifice that. That's not what Durant did. Like, Durant's move is seen as sinister because the team won 73. They were this close to winning last year. How could he go do that? He was this close to beating the Warriors. If you can't beat him, then you join him. You can't do that. On the other hand, there's a sacrifice financially. He did not take top dollar. He has said he's not going to take top dollar in the offseason. He did it because he's believed all along that he was the best. But you cannot show yourself to be the best unless you're surrounded by the right people. It's, it really is that simple. I've said this before about my radio show. Uh, I don't know if you like it or you don't like it. I do appreciate you listening to us on our hundreds of affiliates, and they'll continue to grow. And uh, I, love list- I love that you're listening to us on the iHeart app or on SiriusXM Channel 83. Like, I have no disdain at all. I have good friends from my both my two previous points of employment. By my last stop, okay, I had Mark Cuban on two months ago. And he said, I was, and it was after a game which they won, and he said he was mad that they won because they wanted to lose, play their young players, tank, get a better draft pick. Told me that. Did any of you hear about it? Dan Patrick had him on two weeks ago, said the same thing. Did any of you hear about it? What's the difference? And I will grant you, Dan Patrick's show is bigger than mine. It's been around longer than mine. But the idea is still a national radio show, still Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban moves, moves the needle. The difference is people I work for, the type of promotion, social media, the complete buy-in to promoting everybody. So I think sometimes we look at things all screwed up. We just do. We let emotion get in our way. We do. We talk Well, he took the easy road. I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that easy. Living up to to ridiculously high expectations is not that easy. And oh yeah, by the way, so far he's come through. Like, it's one thing if he got to the finals and wasn't great, but he's been beyond great. He's played well. He's played well late. He's played well at both ends of the floor. He's played within the team concept, but still found ways to find his offense. Now you know why he left. You either leave for the money 
or for the glory. And he will get the glory. And instead of having a conversation about Kevin Durant being the MVP, being a great scorer, now because his team is two games away from winning a championship, because of that, and that alone, as well as the performances in the context of the first two games, because of that, now we're having the conversation about whether or not he's the best player in the game. And that's the power of winning. That's the power of playing on the biggest stage. And that's why it makes com- made complete sense to me. The, 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 the other follow-up questions are, how much is LeBron to, to blame? Because as much as people want to completely absolve LeBron James from blame, it is his team. And it is designed around him. And they did win a championship. And he does have some star power. I'm going to ask Rick Buecher how much to blame. I'll offer up my thoughts. Plus, what possible adjustments can be made in-game? What possible adjustments can be made at the end of the season, assuming that the Golden State Warriors hang on and win two more? Which is a big assumption to make. we got a lot to get to today. But if you ever asked yourself a question, why would a guy who was one game away from going to the NBA Finals with all his buddies. And we want to look so negatively about Oklahoma City, and probably some of that. There's some limitations there. And Russell Westbrook. I'm sure it's not easy to play with Russell Westbrook. The personnel that's surrounding him, probably that's a great part of it. Playing for a coach who was a new pro coach, maybe that's a, that's a little of it. But I don't think Billy Donovan's a bad coach. This is just about, hey, I want to compete on the very biggest stage in order to show just how good I've gotten. And now when getting a second opportunity in the NBA Finals, he's taken advantage of every second of it. And it makes complete sense to anybody who's paying attention that doesn't doesn't carry in the bias of, I can't believe you left my team. All right, Rick Buecher joins us upcoming next. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I, I look... The crazy part about how we're going to look back on this series, if the Warriors sweep or win, you know, four games to one, we'll look at final scores like, wow, this is two blowouts. But uh, the first half last night was great basketball, thoroughly and completely enjoyable. But it it just, it, it always feels like the energy that it takes LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love to stay close wears them out in the second half. I mean, they're just tired. And they don't have that other, they have two shot creators, really. And boy, have some of their bench players or J.R. Smith as a starter been exposed as I thought Jalen Rose did a great job after the game for ESPN as he said, like, look, there's just a higher level of play. And he's not ready for this level of play. Let's welcome in Rick Buecher from Bleach Report. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. If you had the, the first big takeaway from last night would be what? Hmm. First big takeaway is the fact that LeBron James, as great as he is, plays an inefficient style of basketball 
that he has not been able to overcome. Think about this, and I thought about this last night as I saw him get exhausted after dominating and doing everything that he did in the first half and just not being able to sustain it. What great player do you remember over the course of their career who has dealt not being sick, not being out for a long time and then coming back, but has presumably had everything going and has dealt with either cramps or exhaustion or fatigue as often as we've seen LeBron James, when he is the most physically dominant player in the game. I I can't I can't recall one. I guess the the only counter to that is uh doesn't that speak to kind of his surrounding pieces in that he he has to do too much, right? Like in in the situations that and that's happened he's had to do too much. Uh or do you think it's just simply his style that's inefficient in that the the context you're using inefficient in a different context than most people use it in their mind, right? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's a combination. Obviously, he's asked to do a lot with that team. But when you're asked to do a lot, then you have to find ways to still be effective and to, uh, uh, and to still impact the game, to still be positive. You have to be really smart and judicious. You have to say, I only have this, mu- this much uh, energy and this ability, and I have these pieces around me, so I need to play this way. So my, my, my first question after watching last night was, why did he never play below the free throw line? Why did they never put him in position where you're going to open up shots? Because right now, his attacking off the dribble and kicking it wide, the Warriors are quick enough and long enough that they can crowd the space, force them to kick it, and then still get back out and bother shooters, even guys with quick releases like Kyle Korver. He's getting the ball, and if the pass isn't perfect, he's having to reload or he's not getting that shot off. Uh, So... Why are they not playing him below the free throw line? I think because still at this point, he's not comfortable playing in traffic or doing that on a consistent basis. The other part is, and, and uh, you know, I looked at some of the the, the the thunderous jams, and yes, you know, it's an emotional charge. But how many veteran players do you I, that I, you know that I know that they get to a certain point in their career and they go, you know what, the the, the big dunk is 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 electrifying, but I got bigger fish to fry here. I'm not going to try to throw it down as hard as I can because that's expending energy. It's still two points, and especially on the road. What are you, silencing the crowd for a second? It's not like you energized your home crowd. If this was in Cleveland, I would totally get it because it's not only going to energize LeBron, it's going to energize his entire team. It's going to get the crowd going. It, it, all of that works. But why are you going down and – jumping as high as you can and throwing it down as hard as you can when you know that this is not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. That one dunk is not about to, uh, to, to intimidate the Warriors. They're going to turn around and they're going to get back down the other way as quickly as they can and shoot a three. You know, it's interesting. Rick Bucher joining us, Bleach Report, is the conditioning so oftentimes, I, I think, um, in basketball analysis, we don't pay a ton of attention to conditioning. It's a, it's a huge factor. No. I thought Kyrie was exhausted in game one. In the second no. half, I thought he was exhausted in game two. And obviously, uh, we, we both agree LeBron uh, ran out of gas in, in both games, especially mm-hmm. in, in game two. Mm-hmm. I do feel like there's a little bit of... Do you remember Loyola Marymount when they played super fast with Paul Westhead? Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they used to, like, they'd be down 20 at the half. And you give up like 75 in a college first half. 
and then they'd end up winning by 20. Like, well, how the hell did that happen? And you watch the game because the team would be so tired that they yeah. would just be missed. So I, I, but the, the question becomes, how is Golden State – is it simply because they play this way all the time? Is it the volume of three-point shooting that equals it out? How are they able to play – uh, at at as at a greater pace or a better pace even than the Cleveland Cavaliers and not wear themselves out. Well, they have they have more guys who can play at that pace, and so no one guy. I mean, some of this is matchup. I'm not saying that it's all by any stretch. It's all LeBron. Uh, but it, it's uh, the the Warriors just have more guys that they can lean on or go to. You can take Steph Curry off the floor and. You can take KD and Steph off the floor, and if Clay Thompson finds his stroke as he did in Game Two, you're still okay. Like you're because they're going to their bed. LeBron comes off, KD comes off, Curry comes off, and now it's Clay versus who versus uh, Kyrie. Well, Kyrie's a, a, a purely a one-on-one one-on-one guy. Who's who's running the point? Who's the playmaker? Uh, well, you got Sean Livingston out there with, uh, with with Clay. Now you have a playmaker and you have a shooter. It I mean, they, they, they are being overwhelmed that way. And the other part is, and I don't understand why they haven't tried to do this, which is that the only, the only chance that I see them having is play big and try to play slower. Yep. Because, and, then beat, and then beat them up physically, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, 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 I mean, because that's, that's what they did last year uh, as it went down the stretch. And I saw Richard Jefferson, you know, it, it, as the game evolved, especially in the second half, that's what he was doing. He was getting physical with guys. He got physical with Sean Livingston. He got physical with Steph Curry. Like I, I know what I know what Richard Richard was trying to muck up the game, or maybe maybe set a uh, a standard where okay, this is how we have to play, or sending a message. I, I but they have if they go small now you're playing you're playing the Into Warriors their hands. game. There's yeah. nobody who plays small better than they do. Uh, and if you play big, yeah, you have to be able to get back. Uh, you have to stop the break and, and get out the shooters. I mean, there's, there, there's no easy fix, but if you play their style, I don't see any way in which you win. If you can keep it close and you slow it down, um, the Warriors want more possessions. They want as many possessions in the game as possible. So if you're going to make them uncomfortable, you dial it down so that Steph, can't, Steph and KD can't take that casual three, that casual off-balance three, that that's going to come back and haunt them. As the way the series is going right now, they get to have those freebies, and it doesn't affect them because they know they got six more of those coming and they're going to be okay. And there have been, yeah. been fine points during the series where they, it got to that. And you could see where the Warriors got careful or they, got, they didn't get careful and they got sloppy, and, the, and, and that was the opening for the Cavs. But then – the Warriors start to play faster, and the Cavs are like, okay, I guess we got to go with them. Uh, got to resist that. Rick Bucher, Bleacher Report, joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Also has his own outstanding show on Sirius XM, Channel 82, I believe. One more down on the that dial. Okay, um, um, so th- there's, there's a bunch of other stuff I want to get to about the rest of the league. But, but really quickly, how much blame in terms of the personnel do you put on LeBron James? And, and here's, here's my – like he's the one guy who could have gone to Tristan – and Tristan's numbers, they don't look as obscene as they did at the time, but still, between Tristan and JR, four for 57, and even Kevin Love, right? Uh, right. And, and said, hey, take a little bit less, I'll take a little less, and we'll right. have more guys. Instead, now they're, now they're really at the, at the mercy 
of somebody mm-hmm. else asking for too much if they choose to trade personnel. There's some, as you point out, personnel mismatches there that I'm not sure are fixable, and the Warriors yeah. don't appear to be changing anytime soon. How much of this falls on LeBron because he, one, his agent represents some of these guys, but he's LeBron. Right. He can tell them to well, take less, and they should listen to him. It is. It, I mean, it, it's really complicated just because his agent and his agency represents guys like Clay Thompson and I believe J.R. Smith, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, first of all, I don't know how that's not. I don't know how that's legal. To be honest with you, that he has. And he owns a part of an agency that represents other players. How that's not circumvention of the cap. Uh, I, I need to have that conversation with someone at some point. Um, so there is that complication. But there's also, you know, from David Griffin's standpoint, um, in part, he has LeBron. He's doing everything on a immediate right now dividends. Let's take care of things right now. And uh, and, and so there, there is no long view as far as how they're approaching things. I, at the end, I, I, it, it's awfully hard to say those guys would take less if LeBron told them to take less. Because I, I just, I know for the most part, players don't operate that way. Steph Curry and Draymond Green are not going to KD and saying, take less of Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala can stay here. That really has to be of KD's own volition. And so I, 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 it's, you would hope, but I think it's really just a byproduct of you have LeBron, we're on a, we're, we're on a short runway. Uh, we're not dealing Tristan Thompson for anything. He was pivotal in us winning a championship last year. So let's, we, we, what are our alternatives? If we take less, what else are we getting? And, you know, in LeBron's mind, it's not, nobody should be taking less. Dan Gilbert should just be spending more. That's truly the viewpoint that, that LeBron James has when it comes to business in Cleveland. Last, last thing, how does the league react? You have Paul George, who everybody believes wants out. Gordon Hayward, yeah. who could get out. Do, yeah. Chris Paul, who could turn down money to go in, and take a shot at a, at a super team in San Antonio. To the best of uh, as the, the information that you have as of now, mm-hmm. is the league gonna? Hey, the Warriors. We, there's just nothing we can do. We're just gonna go about our business and make our money. Or is is this gonna make people want to join other super teams to compete? Uh, that's really up to the players. And and yes, they set it in motion where you'd have to give up a ton of money to leave your existing teams. But this, I look as dominant as the Warriors look. Um, the, this this conversation about the that well what are we going to do for the next four or five years? There's no mystery. They're going to win four or five in a row. Um, first of all, they haven't re-upped all of their guys. They don't have their core under contract. We presume that KD is going to take less. We presume that Steph Curry is going to stay. We presume that Clay Thompson is going to do the same thing. We presume that those guys are going to stay healthy. And in the case of of, of uh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. There are two guys who don't exactly have a clean health record and aren't built like LeBron. So I'm just a little reluctant to say, A, that this is already a dynasty presumed, and two, that the league has to do something because it's a fait accompli that they're going to dominate over the next five, four or five years. 
and that that is bad for the league. I was around. I mean, you were around. The Bulls had that same same image, that same feeling, and there was a target on them, and it was hard to imagine anyone beating them, and we'd get our hopes up, and somebody would get to the finals, and whether it was you know Charles and Phoenix or Kemp and Peyton and Seattle, there was always that team that we thought, okay, maybe the, the Pacers at one point. Uh, it, it, and, and it never happened. Did it ultimately hurt the league? No, because this is a star-driven league, and I really believe that it's less about my team. Every team has to have a chance to win the championship like in, in, in the NFL, and it's more about am I going to see something incredible? Mm-hmm. That's what drives the basketball fans more than, than just my team has to have a chance of winning. He's uh, Rick Bucher. You can read his work at Bleach Report. Follow him on Twitter or hear his show on Sirius XM Channel 82. Buke, great stuff. Can't wait to hear your coverage of the rest of the NBA Finals and the draft and the offseason. Thanks so much. You got it, Doug. All right, the one and only Rick Bucher. Another NFL quarterback has been signed. And guess who still hasn't? Find out after we find out what's trending. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Appreciate Buke. A lot of hoops. Uh, we we got I got some golf I want to get into. Phil Mickelson not going to play at the U.S. Open, which is on Fox Sports 1 and on Big Fox as well. So no Tiger, no Phil. Man, no Tiger, no Phil. Uh, but Phil's reason for missing, we will, dis- we will discuss. Also, Thad Mata out at Ohio State. That's a big, big coaching change in college basketball. Much as you don't think of Ohio State being a dominant program, it's a hell of a program. It's a hell of a program. Between, you know, like, look, proximity to talent, uh, the ability to be competitive at the national level. They got some great history there as well. Obviously, I've been in the Final Four since Greg Oden and Mike Conley. But they produce pros. And uh, it, I, it, that's, a, that's a top 10, top 15 job, if ever there is one in college hoops. But Colin Kaepernick is still unsigned by Austin, while Austin Davis is the new backup quarterback or one of the backup quarterbacks with the Seattle Seahawks, like Austin Davis. Where do I know that? Remember he started a couple games with the Rams a couple years ago? Uh, then he was with the Browns, started a couple games there. Then he was with the Broncos last season. Right? Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 Austin Davis. Yeah. yeah. Started eight games with St. Louis and actually had a decent year. It was decent two years ago. Uh, three years ago, excuse me. Two years ago. Started a couple games, too, in fact, with the Cleveland Browns. Was okay. I mean, it was Cleveland. I'm not sure there's anybody could do anything. Uh, and then at the end of last season, he signed with the Broncos only to be released. He signed, like, in September to be a backup, like a third stringer, and then never played. It's like, why would they sign him when they had Colin Kaepernick in their facility last week? We had Warren Moon on, the Hall of Famer, who also covers the team, covers the Seattle Seahawks. He joined us Friday. Take a listen to what he said about why he believes, or one of the reasons he believes, Colin Kaepernick is not yet signed. I don't think Colin Kaepernick wants to be a backup. And I don't think he wants to play for the minimum. Um, I think he came up to Seattle just to take a look-see and see what Seattle was talking about. But I think when it all came down to it, that, that he wants to look for an opportunity where he can maybe be a starter, maybe not walk in and be the starter, but at least somewhere where he can compete to be a starter. 
Yeah, well, if, if that's what he's looking for, then that's Seattle's not the place. I would also say that, like, it's it's very possible, if not even probable, that Seattle wanted to kick the tires and ask him the right questions, and just because he might have provided the right answers doesn't mean he actually meant them, right? It's like the old expression, that when you're on a first date, you're not actually dating that person, you're dating a representative of that person, the person that they most want to be. So what's your favorite kind of food? I don't know what's your... What's your favorite kind of food, right? When just because a guy says he wants to be a backup, you can get pretty get a pretty good sense that you don't want to get to be a backup. Like music is legitimately fired up. His girlfriend took him to the the her parents' house uh, this weekend, the past weekend, right? Past Correct. Weekend. Yeah. Ryan, music producer of this show, and like you know, if you like, if you ask Ryan, like, hey, you fired up to go to. Your girlfriend's parents' house. He's actually fired up. He's like, yeah, the, the dad's cool, mom's cool, it, the whole thing's cool, right? Nice house. Nice house. Good food. The Good whole food. Thing. Yeah. Whole Good thing. Stuff. Yeah. But you can read people sometimes like, yeah, going to the in-laws this weekend. You're like, oh, how's that going? It's okay. <laughs> going to the in-laws this weekend. How's it going? It's okay. Right? Same answer, different energy to it. Or it's, ah, you know, it'll, it'll be fine. No, but I mean, you can, you can say, you can say it's great. Like music asked me about my in-laws from right, Oklahoma, the Colliers. Go ahead. Hey Doug. So, you know, you're going to, I think you have to see your in-laws this weekend. How's that going to go? Great. Couldn't be more excited. Right. Mm-hmm. Ask me again. Uh, Doug, you had to see the in-laws this weekend. How'd that go? Great. <laughs> couldn't, be, <laughs> couldn't be more excited. Right. So, I mean, like even some of the answers when they're the same. Uh, I there's do what is there a portion of the league going like boy I don't know that's a we got title sponsors like me- remember you, we all think of Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling before the flag as the offensive part like that wasn't it okay what he said was there are police murdering people and walking on the streets. And the issue with it is, like, there's plenty of policemen going like, hey, dude, just so you know, like, that paints us all with a broad, broad brush. Like, can you imagine? And and I know he walked some of those back a little bit as it went on, but the initial statement was, you know, until something's done, murdering police, that that's like saying, hey, one NFL player beats his wife. You know, you got NFL players beating their wives. How do NFL players react? Now, imagine if you're a policeman and you understand that it's a really, real like, look, do are all let, let's just have the the obvious conversation. Are all cops good? No. Are most cops good? The answer is, I think, yes, actually, they are. Are there some bad cops? Yes. Are there some times in which we see things out of context? Also, like. This is the big this is the big one. If you don't know, you pull somebody over. You don't know. You just pull a guy over. I got pulled over. I played at Moore Park Country Club, which is like as deep in, I don't even know, it's not this valley, it's the next valley. Right? It's it's way, you take Los Angeles and you take Santa Barbara, and it's maybe about halfway closer to Santa Barbara. And I did have a beer playing golf. I, I literally, and I, and, and I was going a little bit too fast. I was going like 82, which 
on an empty freeway at like eight at night in California, like that, that ain't really, that ain't pull your, pull you over worthy. Right. So the guy pulls me over, lights me up and, um, he walks up, he walks up and he walks up very, very slowly because like, you know, you pull over any dude in a Honda Accord and you don't know what's in that Honda Accord. Right. So he asked me, have you been drinking? I had a beer and I made sure I said like, look, I know everybody says they just had a beer or they just had two beers. Like I give you my word. I just had a beer, two beers. I just had a beer. I was like, stuck. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I was like, walk the line, Derek I th- Fisher. I had walk a, the line. I had a two beers. I had, I had, I had, I had two beers. What, what, did, a, God, what did God do? Oh, I had, I had. No, it wasn't like that. Let's not make fun of drunk driving and Derek Fisher nearly killing himself about a hundred yards from uh, from where we broadcast from. Point is, like, uh, he was reasonable about it, but like, I, I just, I have this. There's another side to it where I feel uh, sympathy and empathy for police officers who walk up on dudes that have had a bad day, too much to drink, or think all cops are out to shoot them, and and they come packing. Like, you don't know. So it became war on police. And then he, you know, he wore the Castro shirt. Uh, he said some bizarre things about both people running for president. And then, you know, he ditched the protest the second he became a free agent. Which leads you to ask the question, okay, is he all in on this? I know he's continued to donate money. I just think he's all over the place. And you don't know who he really is, what he's really about. And so you have a meeting with the guy, and I think it's safe to say he probably blew the interview. Right? Like, I don't know if they were going to sign Colin Kaepernick by kicking the tires and bring him up there. But if he really, really wanted to be in Seattle, he'd be in Seattle, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Like, cause like Austin Davis, probably a great guy. Hell of a guy. Capable second, third string quarterback. But does Seattle feel much better about their backup quarterback situation today than they did yesterday? A little bit. Thad Mata calls it quits or was fired. And what's next? Part of my sack. Next. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. All right. I ran a little late. I want to hear Dan Byer's voice. Let's get to my sack. Now, in my sack is a bunch of games in there, some other stuff that we won't talk about. Ew. Dan Byer, what do you got for me? Fresh off the weekend, Doug, we have got... Oh, okay. I think uh, it's funny because I actually think you played Psychic on Sunday for what we've got today. I'll explain right here. Doug, big deal, little deal, or no deal? A report from ESPN says the Cavs are considering starting Amon Shumpert in place of J.R. Smith in Game 3 of the NBA Finals on Wednesday night. I bring up your... You, because you tweeted something of the sort last night during Game 2. Is this a big deal that J.R. Smith could be moved out and Amon Shumpert being moved in? I think it's a smart deal. Like, I don't know if it makes a big change, but I thought that Jalen Rose said something really smart that gets lost, is that this, it's the starting level guards, it's too high a level for J.R. Smith. And he could flourish more going against the backups of the Golden State Warriors than he could against the starters. 
I think it's a little deal. I don't think it's a series changer, but I do think it it maybe can propel J.R. Smith to becoming effective at sub-level on the offensive end. Big deal, little deal, or no deal, Ohio State men's basketball coach Thad Mata out after 13 seasons that's at a, the school. That's a big deal. That's a huge job. There's 13 Division One schools um, in uh, in the state of Ohio. There's only one Ohio State. Uh, the proximity to Indianapolis, you can recruit, you can compete for a national championship. Obviously, the Big Ten obviously coming to Fox next year. Um, I think that's a big, big deal. They, that has been a really well-respected coach, and they have fallen on really hard times in recruiting and then players transferring, and he's had health issues. And this is a weird time of year, but whoever walks into that job, that's a big time. That's a big time operation. Game four of the Stanley Cup final is tonight in Nashville. Penguins and Predators. Now the Pens got game three on Saturday. Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan were in Nashville this weekend for that game, and on Sunday, Doug. Video appeared of the twin brothers breaking up a fight in a local bar. Is that a big deal, little deal, or or no deal involving the Ryan brothers? I think it's a big deal that they weren't fighting. They were breaking up a fight. I thought it was great. Uh, but, like, who gets into a fight at a bar? It's like, who, who, <laughs> the, who throws the, a shoe? On a Sunday afternoon. On a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> big deal. Big deal for the Ryan boys. And Rex, of course, is joining ESPN as an analyst this season. Rob, still available to coach. Uh, finally, uh, speaking of at least ESPN, big deal, little deal, or no deal, Hank Williams Jr. is coming back to Monday Night Football, Doug, recording an updated version of his classic All My Rowdy Friends. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it's no deal just because I don't know anybody who missed him. Nobody goes like, mm, you know what I miss? Hank Williams Jr. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like did, yeah, what he yeah. said previously about our previous president, like that still holds, right? So, like all of a sudden, like that's going to help Monday Night Football ratings or something. I don't know. I don't know anybody who watches a football game and goes like, you know, I was going to watch it, but then they took Hank off that pregame show, and damn it, I wasn't going to watch it no more. <laughs> that was Scott Lieb's sack. <laughs> I don't watch any of those uh, those those songs. Right? They're just like ridiculously expensive, and unless they're uh, unless they're sponsored, I don't understand why they make sense. Right? So the question isn't what happens with the Warriors; it's what happens with everybody else. Right? Assuming they win two more games, how does the rest of the league compete? We discuss next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up? It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Live and direct from the City of Angels. You can call us 877-996-6369. So, um, Phil Mickelson's not going to play at the U.S. Open, which is this upcoming week, correct? This upcoming week. Phil Mickelson not going to play at the U.S. Open, which is in, uh, in Wisconsin. And... Uh, I kind of want to rip it for it because it's because his daughter's graduating high school. Now, I had this conversation with my own, my wife earlier today. Um, and I just started at this job. I, I've been doing this particular show or time space for uh time slot for 10 years. But at my current place of employment, I've only been working here for about a month and a half. And so on, um, 
I have this kind of a little conundrum, quandary, whatever, and I don't expect you to totally care, but there is a certain level of parallel. My daughters are graduating from fifth grade, okay, fifth grade, and uh, at some point in the summer, they're also going to move cross-country to California, so it's the last, it's the next to last day of school for them, and it's kind of going to be one of the last days in which we'll see all our friends in that part of Connecticut. And so I asked my wife today, I was like, mm, do I have to make it? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, that's the NBA draft weekend. And even though we don't have the NBA draft per se, we're going to do a special NBA draft show on radio. It's going to be fun. And I'm supposed to be on Colin's TV show. I, I need to be in Los Angeles like that week. And then Friday that week, I'm supposed to be home. It's like, it was really supposed to be the week before. And like, if you live in a, Snowbound state, you understand this. If you don't, don't worry about it. They build in days for snow days. They have like a, like, like you know, they have flex scheduling in the NFL. They got like flex scheduling in school. They have like a February break that is collapsible if there's snow days before the February break. And they keep the spring break no matter what because everybody plans their spring break, right? Well, wouldn't you know it, all of the snow days occurred after the February break. And so instead of ending school February 16th, it ends February 22nd. So uh, kind of screws me up. <laughs> and it's fifth grade. It's not like we had any doubt they would make it. Like, I can't believe they made it to fifth grade, right? It's like fifth grade. Well, it's the end of a run. And it, like, okay. I don't know. Did your parents make it to like your eighth grade graduation, your sixth grade graduation? And if I didn't go, am I going to change my kids' lives in any way? And I ask that because now Phil Mickelson's daughter, one of his daughters, is going to graduate high school on Friday. It's a morning graduation time in San Diego, which makes it a mere impossibility. Like, you just can't. Morning is afternoon in the Midwest, right? There's just no way he could be there for his tea time. I will point out he could be virtually there. She's given a speech and whatever. And this is not the first time that he's missed something or, or been willing to miss something for one of his daughters. And I get the whole idea of family coming first, but did you not know your kid was going to graduate high school? Like, it doesn't feel like it's as much of an accomplishment as maybe it, for some families it might be. Maybe it's a bigger story if Phil Mickelson's daughter doesn't graduate high school than that if she does graduate high school, right? So am I... He's never won the U.S. Open. He's finished runner-up six times. He's not playing great, so maybe he wasn't going to win anyway. And so he shuts it down and says, ah, can't do it, daughter graduation. I understand this because do I fly out here, fly back for the fifth grade graduation, do a show, fly back here, do a couple shows, fly back. Like, that's a lot, man. And unlike Phil, I ain't got no private jet, dog. Well, except for, you know, game one of the NBA Finals. Anyway, am I the only one who thinks this is kind of like, I don't want to say weak, but it, it seems to be, it's great for your family. It's great for your daughter to be there. It's a little bit like, you know, it's a little bit like taking a girl or taking a woman to the airport. You know, you can't do it early in the relationship because if you do so, then if you don't take her to the airport, why don't you take me to the airport anymore? Right. And this is not his youngest daughter, I don't believe. So then what about the other ones? Like 
they graduate from eighth grade and high school. Does he got to take those days off too? Ramos, you have kids. I do. I have a daughter and a son. Okay. If your daughter is graduating high school, yes, is that a is that a a big achievement in the Ramos household? Yes. For me, I would attend that without even thinking about it. Not even thinking about it? Nope. They just, like, walk up and, like, shake hands. No, I know. It's just, as a father, it would be very special to me to see my daughter do that, so I would miss work for that. Here or golf or US baseball. Open. The U.S. Open. Well, I mean, you know, U- he's the, been there the, before. It's not like it's his first U.S. Open. But he hadn't won it. I still go to my daughter's graduation. Hmm. Music, uh, since you graduated, like, what, two weeks ago from high school? It was a month ago. (laughs) Okay? It was a full month. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. Exactly. So uh, let's let's first start high school graduation. What do you remember about it? Everything. It was like yesterday. I mean, it literally (laughs) was yesterday. Um, uh, High school... I, I remember. I don't know. What, like nothing crazy happened. Nothing I don't know, happens. What am I There's to nothing say? to yeah. it. Yeah. Like I, I, I hate to be the guy. Like nothing happens. There's I, nothing. Like you go up and they, they announce your name. Right? They like mispronounce your name, Ryan Myusic. I, I will say, I do think him missing for his daughter's high school graduation is not as big of a deal to me as if, like what you said, if he was like, I have to go to my daughter's like fifth grade promotion into middle school, then I'd be like, well, it is like a major, you know, you're not skipping out on the Arizona see, Waste I think, Management I, I, Open. See, I actually think a recital is a bigger deal there, Ramos. I heard really? you in the background with a recital. Like, a recital, well, I don't know if it's more important. I mean, recitals can be moved as well. Like, you know, you, look, you can play the song for me too. Right? <laughs> I had a hole I mean, in the room. Right. Like, I don't know. You got the violin. Play it for me now. <laughs> but it's different. Like, no, nah, not really. Not that, that much different. Um, like, I, I I, do lack a certain amount of, I don't think it's empathy. I think it's sympathy. Like, I just, I, I'm not a very ceremonial person either. I'm just not. And I, so, and like, again, like, did anyone have a doubt that Phil Mickelson's daughter Goes to like a private school. It's like forty grand a year. Like, did you not think she was going to graduate? And like, you can watch it on your phone. You can just sit there and like show everybody on the tour. Like, check it out, dude. My wife, my daughter's. Oh, hey guys, keep it down, keep it down. My daughter's uh, giving a speech here at her high school graduation. Like, the whole world would, the whole thing would stop. It'd be kind of cool. They could put in a loudspeaker. It'd be uh, Dan Byer joins us. Uh, I, 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 yes, Dan. Go there, ahead. I was just going to add that Jack Nicholas was asked about this topic this past weekend because he was hosting his tournament, the Memorial, and Jack said that early on when his kids were in Florida, they had high school graduations during this week where he was hosting the tournament back in Ohio. He said after a certain amount of time, he donated enough money to the school where they put the graduation on like a Wednesday night so it wouldn't conflict with the tournament. Wow. Yeah, and so so Jack kind of joked about that. What's what's the, well, Hey, that's but, my, my favorite line from the movie from the uh, TV show Billions. You guys know what it is? No. What's the point of having FU money if every once in a while you're not willing to say FU? Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Bill's right. got that money. Yes, he does. Yes. It's a private school. There's like probably like 30 kids graduating. Like, hey, uh, what do you guys think? Wednesday night okay? Everybody's like, eh, yeah, sure, okay. You know, I I just I don't understand. I I don't really understand this. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I I, I, I do think you're being a bit coarse. I mean, high school well, graduation. High school graduate? Like, who doesn't graduate high school anymore? 
And especially coming from the type of affluences Phil Mickelson's kid. Like, oh, I didn't know if they were going to make it. Like, yeah, you did. Everybody knew you were going to make it. Right, but it's not about... It's not about celebrating like, oh my goodness, she graduated high school as much What's as it, it is supporting her in the fact that she accomplished a goal that she set out to do. You want to know what's also interesting about this? Uh, Just, you wrote the check. You wrote the check every month. <laughs> All about money. Who had, who had the worst week last week? Okay. Tiger Woods. Okay. All of a sudden, this Phil Mickelson story leaks at the end of the week. What a great dad. Oh, and yeah. Phil and Phil wouldn't even say to the fact of that he's for surely going to miss. It's likely he notified the USGA of his situation, but it isn't 100%. But you think of the guy who had the absolute worst week and then his rival or thought to be rival ends up being dad of the year for 2017. I also thought the timing was a little interesting with this. Uh and nobody ever mentioned the insider trading with Phil Mickelson. Like, ah, oh, or the gambling. I feel like gambles, insider trading. Ah, oh, but he's a good dad. He missed the U.S. Open, which he never wins. He always chokes away. You know, he hit a driver off the deck at Wingfoot. The thing about Wingfoot is everybody talks about the drive on 18. Like, no, no, no. The second <laughs> shot was a driver off the deck. Do you, music, do you know what off the deck means? Just off the course? Well, yeah, it means usually when you hit a driver, it's uh, you know you're hitting off a tee. He hit a driver oh, off, off, off the yeah off of the well. Me, I mean, a driver off the deck means you're hitting a driver without a tee. Okay, so he had dri- his second shot because and that that one was the one that went on top of the. Of Actually, the, he the, hit he hit a. He didn't do driver off the deck in the golf term. He actually hit a deck because he hit the ten. <laughs> but it was he actually off. did tee it up, Doug. He did tee it he, up. He, he teed up, but the he actually one? hit a deck. No, he teed up the first one. I thought the second one was off the deck. The, fr- the second one hit a tree that only then went sixty yards, and then he was hitting his third. And uh, but his first one actually what hit. What was the he deck. doing? I still so, don't know yeah. what he was doing. Like, yeah. What were you doing? <laughs> So he actually like, hit a, a deck. That's the thing about, about golf that I just never understand. Like they never, they never just go like, "What the hell? What were what what were you doing out there?" I just I I I don't know. I don't know. That was an amazing. That's still one of the most amazing. <laughs> I've seen some choke jobs, like Dustin Johnson's choke job two years ago, uh, also at the U.S. Open. And then look, Dustin Johnson, defending champion. That's I mean, how about the balls to come back from? Two years ago, blowing it, and then last year, winning it. Like, that's pretty amazing. Probably shouldn't use the term blow in Dustin Johnson. That's bad, right? <laughs> John once hit a driver off the dock when he punched the valet into a lake. That was <laughs> after a drunken night of drinking with Suzanne. All right, so, okay, in summation, Dan, am I a bad guy for going like, come on, man? No, no, but, you're not. Okay, I'm no. not the only one. Like, Music kind of made me feel like a bad guy, and, and Ramos was like, of course I would be Mickelson there. made everyone feel like a bad guy by taking this high road that oh, the like, toll is only like I, $3 million you, I called dollars my wife this morning. I called my wife this morning, and I was like, hun, listen, I'm looking at my schedule, and I just don't know if it makes sense. She's like, well, every parent will be there. I'm like, I don't think every parent's going to be there. It's fifth grade graduation. There was never a doubt that our kids were going to get uh, moved up. Like, it's not even like, I, I don't know. And what do you do after graduation? You go have, have like, brunch, right? And then the kids can't wait to get the hell away from their parents. And the parents are like, okay, well, that's done. Now what? Summer. Now they're home. Ugh. I'm, I'm told Drew Brees will actually join us next. Long, in, in, long, in theory. Uh, in theory. We kid because we care. 
We can't wait to catch up with the Saints quarterback. Find out um, what he would like. High school graduation, big thing. Am I overdoing this? But Astrobe, he's got a bunch of kids, right? He's got like half a. He's um, half a Philip Rivers, right? He's got four. God, Philip Rivers never, never gonna be able to do anything. <laughs> he's gonna get around like, oh, another graduation. Ah, oh, nothing. I can't do anything in June. We'll get to that upcoming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three thousand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We may or may not have Drew Brees. He's uh, our he's, <laughs> he's our white whale. He's our white whale. Um, in the meantime. Uh, I, I was just informed by my man Vito, who uh, does the imaging for this show, that uh, he reiterated something a buddy of mine told me. It's kind of sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek. Is you, you do know when you have daughters, Ramos, what the number one uh, rule is in having daughters, right? I'm sure it's – I know I don't know it off the top of my head, though. It's but. you got to keep them off the stripper pole, right? Oh, that's, no. that's the so, – so the qu- only question with going to their – Fifth grade graduation is, does it send them on a path? Does it send them on that path? Right? That's the only, that's the only question. Drew Brees joins us now, uh, who's thrown for, I had the stat up, 5,000 yards, like six of the last eight years. Something disgusting. He joins us. Um, Drew, um, your oldest is, is in what grade now? Second grade. Second grade. I just, just finished second grade. Okay, so in the third, yeah. So, um, which what graduations are impo- are are must be at for you? Like, because I was just saying, like, Phil Mickelson's gonna gonna miss the U.S. Open because his daughter's graduating high school. And while that sounds great, it's like, look, was it really a question that his daughter was gonna graduate high school? Uh, on the other hand, all right, maybe high school. I'll give you my daughters are graduating from fifth grade, and I'm like, come on, really? Do I have to miss a day of work for this? What what graduations are legitimately important in your world? You got four kids. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it depends on what's coming after that, right? Um, I think, uh, like for example, I think my my uh, my one son who's four is having a moving up ceremony, is what they call it. Right. You know, so he's moving up, he's moving out of his current kind of preschool to a kindergarten, you know, program at at a different school. So they have this moving up ceremony. So it's like, okay, well, I was pretty confident that he was going to be moving up. Right. So, um, so you didn't miss OTAs uh, for that is what you're saying? Yeah. 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't be missing OTAs for that. But, um, again, I think it's what's coming next. You know, if, uh, listen, graduating high school is a big deal for, for a lot of people. And it is a big deal, but you know, if, if they're then on their way to college and you know, uh, if you're weighing that against the USO, I mean, listen, everybody, Everybody's going to make their own decision based upon that, but um, no, I mean, I, I think I think a high school graduation is very important. A college graduation is extremely important. Um, certainly, any type of master's, medical school, something like that. I mean, all that is pretty significant. No question. Drew Brees joining us, quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. You got some new toys, huh? You got uh, you got a new running back, a new wide receiver. Let's let's talk about AD. There's photos now of him in a in a Saints uniform. That that has to like. Walk into the locker room and you see Adrian Peterson like he's on my team. That what's what's that what's that realization like? It's a good realization. <laughs> uh, he's uh, man, he's a stud. You know, it's been it's been 
I'd say he's even exceeded expectations, you know, just early on here um, over the first few weeks of OTAs. Um, he he looks, you know, obviously we, we know him as such an explosive player, you know, but coming off that knee injury and, you know, getting later in his career, you know, you just kind of, you wonder what he's going to look like when he comes in. And, man, the guy is um, looks every bit of what, you know, I think we all hope for and imagine. But, um, you know, it's it's very early in the process here. You know, we're installing the offense. I think he's done a great job with just absorbing it all and then going out and being able to execute it um, as we get into training camp, put the pads on, and then get into the preseason and, and on from there. Um, it'll be be interesting to see how this all fits together with him. Was there a discussion? Did you have a discussion with him before he signed about like, hey, look, man, uh, we got a lot of weapons. We have now, you know, you, you, you draft Kamara who can catch it out of the backfield. You already have Ingram. Like you have other – was there any discussion about like – this might be a little different for you, a little bit different role in terms of just being the only guy. Did you guys sit down and have that talk? No, but I know that I know that you know Sean Payton, our head coach, um, was very high on on AP and and had many conversations with him um, about you know I think his role and, and the expectation level and um, you know what this offense could be with him in it. You know, obviously he he adds a new element for sure. Um, you know, I think we have one of the best all-purpose backs in the league in Mark Ingram. And and then we go out and we draft um, Alvin Kamara, which, you know, I think a lot of people had him as a first-round talent on their boards, you know, and, and we were able to get him in the second round. And, you know, he, he adds a great element as well. So, uh, I mean, again, we're early in the process here. We're all getting to know one another. We're all, you know, getting a lot of time on task and repetition together. But I'm 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 really excited about what we're going to be able to all do together with that backfield. You called him AP. His his initials are AP, and some people call right. him AP, but his nickname is AD, which is all day. Did you ask him like, "Hey, what do you, what do you want me to call you?" Or do you just go like, "I'm going to call you what I want to call you"? Right? Is a, do I call you Mister AD? Is that but now he? Uh, I, I've I've done both. It just depends on if he if 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 it's out on the field and. You know he's 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 in that mode. He's flipped the switch, and then he's AD. <laughs> you know if he's in the locker room and we're just kind of hanging out, maybe it's just AP. Four of the last six years, you've thrown for five thousand yards. How do you how do you process like statistically? You've had arguably the most impressive uh, passing career maybe in the history of the National Football League, and yet you know because of other stuff, the the defense and some of the other issues with the organization, it hasn't proven out. With with wins like your stats are crazy, how much of that allows you to still feel good, even though ultimately as a competitor you want to win, get to the playoffs? How do you process all that? Well, I process it as we whatever it takes to win, you know. And so, if that means um, you know putting up a lot of statistics in order to get that done, or if that means handing it off to guys like Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson, you know, fifty times a game. You know, whatever it, whatever it takes to to get the win and put yourself in the position to be successful in the playoffs. Um, I think that's what that's what it's all about. Um, I've played long enough to understand that, and you know, I I only want to play to win championships and not not really for anything else. You you said on Dan Patrick's show that you wouldn't tell your wife about uh, a concussion. How long after you got off of Dan's show did he did she call you? <laughs> No, you, you know, that was, I mean, I would tell doctors, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would make sure that I got the treatment I needed. I think the point I was trying to make is there's, I don't tell my wife about every injury because I don't want her to worry about me. 
I know how stressful it is for her in the in the you know to watch the games. And she's got my kids to worry about, you know, while while all that's going on. I mean, she's got enough going on, and and I know how stressful it is on her. So I would never want to add to that stress um, by telling her about every little nick or injury that I have. But yeah, if I've got stuff going on, especially something as serious as a concussion, I'm making sure I get the proper medical treatment. Drew Brees joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. Speaking of proper proper medical treatment, tell me about the the heat factor, uh, which which deals with external heat stroke, right? Like this is, and this has been a huge problem in football throughout years, especially the old days of two a days in the middle of the uh, middle of the, uh, the summer or late in the summer, especially in Texas where you grew up. Uh, it's what the the heat factor. What is it? Yeah, well, actually, yes. So the heat factor is a campaign that um, that I'm uh, I think is very very important for people to recognize and to become more educated about um, and it involves EHS which is exertional heat stroke which is actually the third leading cause of sudden death in high school athletes um, which was a very surprising statistic when when you think about just how many how many kids how many athletes during the summertime you know school gets out they're out in camps you know sports camps doing athletics and that kind of thing it's just something that I think as parents teachers coaches we all just need to be very aware of and so the heat factor we've put together, a bunch of educational videos to help educate uh, 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 parents, teachers, coaches about the signs and symptoms of EHS and how to combat that, how to treat that, which really, if you see an EHS emergency, you should really be calling 911 and getting them immediate help, which what are the signs of EHS? Well, it's, it might actually be, you know, look similar to a concussion, um, whether you're playing football or not. It's, you know, when somebody starts maybe stumbling around a little bit, maybe they're acting dizzy, maybe they're a bit disoriented, maybe they're a bit agitated. You know, these are all signs of, of EHS and, um, you know, seek help immediately, call 911. But uh, to learn more about it, go to theheatfactor.com to uh, learn about those signs and symptoms. Um, I, 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 I can't talk about all this with your wife and your kids without asking you about your own future, right? Like you're 37 I mean, you're still balling. We mentioned all the, the numbers uh, what do you see as where are you in kind of the curve of your career? I mean, Brady's you know, saying he wants to go till he's 45. Although we've seen Romo, who was oft injured, uh, shut it down this year. We see Jay Cutler going into the booth. Like, where are you at 37, going to be 38 years old? Well, actually, I am 38. I turned 38 in January. So I'm, you know, I, I feel good. You know, and, and if I can, if I'm, if I feel good, able to stay healthy, playing at a high level, having fun, why wouldn't I play this game for as long as I can? Um, you know, my, I love having my kids and my family be a part of this. I love being around the locker room. You know, I love the guys. I love to compete. Um, um, and, you know, I, I, I still have very high aspirations for, for this team and, and for the rest of my career. So um, I'm going to do it um, do it as long as I can. You know, I mean, just take it one year at a time. I'm not naive to think that it's just going to last forever. I know that that's not the case, and you got to prove it every year. But um, you know, I'm excited about our team, and just excited about the possibilities. Yeah, so so Brittany hasn't said like, hey, look, you know, I mean, like, and I know you're you're close with with Steve Gleason and his family. I've seen the movie. I mean, that's that's tough. And I, I understand that there's we don't know what's what what sets on ALS, but we talked about concussions. Like, has has she said that there's a there's a heart there? there you got a heart out at at forty. Has she has she put any sort of parameters on it? Well, n- notice I said as long as I'm able to stay healthy and you know a few other things that I'll keep playing. I mean, if I if, if I was in a situation where you know, I got a cup. I had a couple serious injuries um, or concussions or neck injuries or something like that. I mean, obviously that would be something that would shut down a career earlier than than you know you would want. And and you've seen that happen to to guys before. 
Um, but um, again, that's you know, God willing, as as long as I can um, stay healthy and and all those other factors, then you know, again, why not why not play this game as long as I can? My, I have the, one of the most supportive wives in the world, and she knows. Um, I mean, she makes a lot of sacrifices during the year, during the school. I mean, the uh, football season, obviously, for for me to be able to put invest the time that I do here at the facility in order to be the best I can be at my job and, and for, for my team. Um, and, and she, she says, you know, as long as you want to play and, um, you know, we'll be here to support you in, in achieving that. Uh, you also said that the, the new overtime rule, you don't, you don't love, if it was you, you would do the, the college rule. I guess my only question with the college rules uh, is in that it takes away like 75 yards of the football field, right? Like it, and and maybe you move it back for the pros because you guys are so good. You move back to the thirty-five yard line, but it takes away special teams. And it, I don't know. It feels like it's like if the NBA let's do a three-point shooting contest in overtime only, as opposed to just cutting off five minutes. It speeds speeds up a game that most people want over. Yeah, I just I, I think that the combination of if you recall what was that um, seven years ago or so, they changed the overtime rule to being where. You know, both sides pretty much had the opportunity at a possession as long as somebody didn't score a touchdown on the first possession, right? So, so that that immediately lengthened the amount of time of overtime, because in most cases, you know, so, somebody doesn't go down and score a touchdown about on the first possession. There's, I think, a lot of cases where somebody goes down and gets a field goal, but now you're giving somebody else the opportunity to go down as well. And I think we've seen many more games end in ties over the last, you know, three or four years especially. I think there's been four, five, six ties. Whereas I, I know earlier in my career when the overtime rule was, you know, just a field goal or any points would win it, um, I, can't, I can recall maybe one or two games ending in ties over the course of about 12 years. So um, I think that's already made the game longer by, by giving basically each side a possession. And so now you're going to cut it down by five minutes, you know, Maybe that just speeds up kind of the uh, maybe that changes the mindset of the play calling, you know? Maybe yeah. uh, go you go you go for it. You don't play yeah. as conservatively. So but, so but, yeah, but 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 also it could it could very well cause games to result in more ties. Um, I think I think the thing with college is listen, the <laughs> people buy the NFL red zone package, right? Right. <laughs> you know why do they do that? Well, that's because that's all the exciting stuff is happening down in the red zone. So you're basically just creating that situation right off the bat, you know, with and high school does it that way. College does it that way. It would make sense to have that consistent from high school to college to pro. You know, what? Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't but, that, I wasn't that in on it. And you're kind of selling me pretty good on it. The only, here's the only other part to it. It, it wildly skews the stats, right? Like from when you were in college, they didn't count the bowl game stats. And I don't, I don't remember if they had overtime. Like part of it was like you guys started throwing it before everybody else started throwing it with Joe Tiller, right? But. Like now, the stats are crazy where you can score, you know, a couple of overtime touchdowns. And you look at the number of touchdowns some of these kids have at the end of the year. You're like, wow, can you imagine the NFL? You're already throwing for 5,000 yards. Imagine what it'll do to the touchdown passes. Well, don't, don't count the stats. You don't have to. I mean, if, if that's the concern, um, you can make it, people go for two. Um, you know, make that a requirement where you have to go for two. Um, there's, there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, listen, we're – we're kind of making stuff up at this point, you know, but I think, I, I just think that uh, by chopping five minutes off, I, I think that that's probably going to cause more games to result in ties. Hmm. Be interesting. All right, man, you got any, uh, a red, a red fish, your big red fish, bow, bow fishing with to redfish, right? You getting any of those uh, trips coming uh, up? 
you know what? That is that's one of the most fun things you'll do is go go bow fishing for redfish down here in South Louisiana. Go out on a go out on an airboat in the middle of the night and uh and you shoot those things with uh with a bow and pull them in you, you clean them right there and you can eat them the next day it's, it's fantastic sounds, sounds I, I sorry i forgot about your birthday it's my same day i get birthday same day my boy matt holiday plays for the yankees also january yeah. january, january 5th so i apologize uh you can oh, make good. it up I, I i can make it up to you by going with you on your next uh next fishing trip if you want just feel free not just feel, feel free <laughs> right, so i'll be there uh and it's it's the heat factor dot com dot com the heat factor.com yes, com trying to eliminate exertion heat stroke drew Brees of the new orleans saints drew thanks so much thank you all right that's drew Brees joining us finally kidding some phone issues before I might be sold on the uh college football overtime rule which i've been an ardent opponent of i'll tell you why i'm an ardent opponent of we'll have the discussion after we find out what's trending In other words, I'm sure Brittany's like, what do you mean you wouldn't tell me everything that goes on at work? I mean, like, look, our job, there's not that many, much stuff that goes on at work that you don't want to tell your wife, right? It's not like there's anything that goes on here. What did you do today, honey? I talked about sports. And then what? And then I talked about sports. And then we planned, well, first we planned to talk about sports. We met about it. Then we had coffee, sometimes chicken, or maybe we sent the intern out to get coffee or chicken and then we talked about sports, and we took a break, and we talked about sports, and we took a break, and then we said, like, okay, you have the most boring job ever. Like, no, it's actually kind of fun. Where's the fun part? The talking about sports. Like, no, that's not the fun part. So there's not much at my job that I can really, I, I guess, you know, you travel around, you do basketball games, or the inner workings of relationships, but I don't really know these guys. Or, you know, like I come in, I say hi, I go out, I say goodbye. That's kind of about it. Anyway, but uh, I'm guessing his wife probably like, what do you mean you want to tell me about uh, the concussions? You want me to know? You want me to know? So here's my thing about college football overtime. I get that it's exciting, right? But exciting doesn't always mean good. Like, what's the most exciting college football, major college football conference to watch? The Big 12. It's awesome. I'm a Big 12 alum, and I tell everybody, it's the best. Is it the best? Like, no, it's the best to watch because they don't really play any defense and they spread it out and sling it and the games are in the 50s, 60s, and sometimes 70s. It's awesome. Is it better than the SEC? Like, no, it's not better, but it's a better watch than the SEC. So the problem with college football's overtime is like, okay, the whole rest of a football game, it's a 100-yard field, and now we're going to cut off three-quarters of it? Why? Why? Like, I thought there was three parts of football, like uh, offense, defense, and special teams. Like, you're basically making special teams and and uh, uh, field position kind of a little bit obsolete. And then, I don't know if you know, you know the college football rules, that once you go past double overtime, you know what the rule is? You have to go for two. Right? So that's like in basketball, let's go to overtime, only in overtime we're going to play half court. And then in triple overtime, we're going to go half court, but we're only going to take three-point shots. That's what college football That's what college football is. That's what those rules are. You got to go for two. That's, you have to shoot three-point shots. Clay Travis, is, is, is Clay trolling LeBron still, or we, we're not joking? Sort of. 
got uncomfortable between. We had a Twitter war between uh, Clay and uh, Nick Wright over the weekend, right? That was uncomfortable. Up next, we'll play What Did the Fox Say? Clay Travis measured out the Warriors versus Jordan's Bulls. You'll hear his thoughts, then mine. That's next. From the West Coast, I would, be, I would love to call into a Clay show as I've, I've uh, been on several times. Uh, let's find out what the Fox said. And now. What does the Fox say? So this is what we do, right? If we don't compare LeBron to Jordan, we compare the Bulls of, uh, for example, 95-96, the 72-win Bulls, to the Golden State Warriors. Here's Clay Travis. Let's look at the starting fives on the 95-96 Bulls and compare them with the starting five this year with the Warriors in overtime. I think probably you have to put Scottie Pippen on Kevin Durant. Who would you favor in that matchup? I'm going with the Warriors as the better matchup there. All right, what about the guards position? All right, let's say that Michael Jordan is better than either Steph or Klay Thompson. I think that's fair to say. And then Ron Harper. Ron Harper would get murdered by either Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. Can Rodman defend Draymond Green on the perimeter? Can he defend Draymond with everything that he does? Rodman can't score. All he can do is rebound. The Warriors would sweep or win in five games against the 95-96 Bulls. I want to apologize to all our listeners for what Clay Travis just said. May God have mercy on on our our soul. (laughs) Um, Ron Harper is one of the best defenders in the NBA. Like, (laughs) uh, look – if anything, that team was actually perfectly built to guard this Golden State team because you had Jordan, who could have guarded uh, any of the any of the Golden State Warrior perimeter players. Scottie Pippen, one of the elite defenders in the history of the NBA. Dennis Rodman, who at that point in time had established himself as a great rebounder, but we forget when Rodman was in Detroit, he was a re- he was a Defensive Player of the Year. He made himself into just a rebounder. And Ron Harper. Uh, and then they supplemented it with Tony Kukoc, who wasn't a great defender, but was a was a was one of the first of the versatile can play any position one two three four sort of guys. So yeah, they had Bill Wellington, and yeah, they had Luke Longley. They had a big guy, uh, and frankly, Luke Longley was much is much bigger, better version of Jaja Pachulia. I actually think it's a really interesting matchup. Uh, the problem is like. Are we playing the 95-96 rules where you can hand check? Or are we playing the 2016 rules? Are we playing the 2000 or 2017 rules? Are we playing 2017 rules. Are these players going to be allowed to have a season or a couple seasons where they shoot the 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 volume of three-point shots? Like Steve Kerr is one of the best three-point shooters um in NBA Finals history. He's going back to his time with the Spurs and time with the Bulls. The problem was, like, back then, you only shot three a game. Kukoc only shot three a game. Now guys are shooting a much higher volume of three-point shots. Scottie Pippen had started to evolve into a five-three-pointer-a-game sort of guy. The first thing is it's ridiculous because it's a different era with different officiating. The second thing is Clay dismissing Ron Harper getting abused. Like, dude, Ron Harper was really good. Ron Harper was a, a an all-NBA uh, an all-star level player before he tore his ACL. He's a 20 over 20 a point a game guy and then reinvented himself as one of these versatile can guard anybody. But I I don't know how the Bulls would guard him because I don't know what the defensive rules would be. 
As foolish as Clay's breakdown of the teams are, it's equally foolish for us to compare because the eras are so different in, in consideration of what is and what isn't a foul. It is. But he just dismissed, oh, he'll just beat Scottie Pippen. Oh, Dennis Rodman, all he can do is rebound. Like, dude, Dennis Rodman is a Hall of Fame player. Dennis Rodman is a Hall of Fame player. Draymond Green is not a Hall of Fame player. Now, Draymond Green can shoot a little bit. Not a great shooter. Shoot a little bit. Everything else Dennis Rodman did better than Draymond Green. Uh, you want to say pass and dribble? Okay, but Draymond doesn't pass and dribble all that much. And I like just dismissing Tony Kukoc. Dude, Kukoc could score now. 6'10". Now he can play. They won 72 games. Uh, should be pointed out that, that uh, Vegas would have the Warriors as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what the What does the fuck say? This is like, you know, I mean, the sport has evolved and changed so much. So, so I guess that the question becomes, how do we close the gap? Or do you close the gap? Right? How do, If the Warriors are this much better than the second-best team who's that much better than the third-best team, how do we close that gap? We discuss next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, something I heard from Kevin Durant last night that I want to play for you. Uh, it's interesting, actually. You know, I haven't told Ramos about this. Uh, I want to get something that, that that Kevin Durant said, kind of a back and forth with the reporter. Also, something from LeBron. There's some similarities there. LeBron and what he said when the reporter asked him just like a ridiculous question. And how he handled it. And then um, what I thought was actually a, 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 a reasonable question to ask of Draymond Green and how they answered it. You know, because like, one of the things I find fascinating is that, like, look, are, are these guys, are their antennas up a little bit? Sure. On the other hand, their antennas should be up a little bit because... Um, their antenna should be up a little bit because if whatever they say can and will be used against them in the court of public opinion, right? They're like super cautious of, I don't want to give you a soundbite. On the other hand, they're all very, very bright. Like that's my big take. Do you remember the old interviews when you would have, when you were a kid and they would count how many times a guy would say, you know, right? It just was, which is such a bad look for anybody who is an athlete or a former athlete or whatever. You know, because, you know, like, you know, you know, coach, you know, like coach, you know, told us, you know, that we should, you know, like that was the, the MO of athletes is like, don't put a microphone in front of them because Jimmy not so smart. I listen to all these guys and I'm like, they're all very, very bright. And they're all very adept at answering a question in a way that they want to answer it. Right? That they're gonna, I'm listening. Wait a second. Kevin Durant did it at halftime uh, after the game last night. Doris Burke made a mistake, and she asked him. Uh, he, it was a three. It was a nine point game at the half. You know what changed in the second half? And he's like, "Well, I think it was actually a three point game at the half, right?" But he did so in such delicate fashion 
in correcting her that it wasn't like, no, you idiot. Right? Like, take a listen to Kevin Rant when he was asked about shutting down. A reporter asked him what he did to shut down LeBron James in the fourth quarter. First off, um, Andre Iguodala was guarding him for the most part in the second half, and Draymond was out, so I had to play four and guard a big. So Andre um, did a solid job of just trying to make it tough on him, So, and we just tried to help him out as well. Yeah. That was the, no, you idiot, I wasn't actually guarding him, right? Uh, I actually like this from LeBron. He was asked this, the quick question, and look, here's what the reporter was looking for. The reporter was looking for a guarantee, the old guaranteed. I guarantee we're going to defend our home court. That's what he's looking for. So he asked LeBron James, like, are you going to, def- are you going to defend your home court? Here's LeBron's answer. LeBron, you just feel this is a case where you guys should defend home court at this point? Uh, well, I mean, are you a smart guy? I think so. I think so, right? So if we don't defend home court, what happens? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm asking you. Well, yeah, then you guys are looking at getting swept. All right. So, that answers your question. Yeah, I like. And, and like, I guess we're supp- I'm supposed to look at LeBron and go, like, oh, he's really terse with the guy. Like, you, you come on, man. Can we, can we ask a better question then? What do you need to do? What is, the, what is one thing you need to do to defend your home court? To win a game at home? If you know when you talk to the team, what's the what's the what's the one thing? What's the one focus? You know what good? What is the, what was the best thing that you did today? You could also ask positive questions and try now. Can you replicate that while doing this one thing that you want to fix? I actually thought this was a good question of Draymond Green. He was asked. He he was asked about how he has not stepped over the line. How he has not. Uh, gotten technical foul, got thrown out of game, get thrown out of a game, and he got very defensive. Take a listen, Draymond. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts of, of um, you know, how you've been able to restrain yourself uh, emotionally, uh, you know, Jeez. and avoid and avoid getting, and avoid, well, avoid, get, like avoid getting. This, you act like I'm just this troubled, yeah. you know, guy no, who's been, you, you know, in a bunch of trouble and can't control myself, and you know, Jesus you, you've Christ, avoid, you've avoided, you've avoided going over the line. Right to get uh, in AT so far, which is you know, you've been waiting good. on you waiting on him to go across the line. No, so, I, I'm you, interested you, in what his you know how he's been able to do that. I've just been playing basketball, brother. He's tied for fourth most technical fouls this year in the NBA. He got suspended last year. Last year he had the multiple kicks to the groin. He does throw a fit anytime he gets called for a foul. Right, like. Either Draymond Green's the only one who doesn't know that he plays on the border of going over the line, or he's just being defensive to be defensive. Like, that was a legitimate question. Could it have been worded a little bit better? Okay. Like, Draymond, you, like, you, haven't, you haven't gone full Draymond. Is Kevin Durant the reason why? Is he, you know? Yes. I think the the idea there is because I know earlier on the herd when you were talking to Christine Leahy about this, she was sort of defending almost both in a way. And the idea is that the guy who asks, "Are you going to defend home court?" That's just a bad question. Like, there's no rewording 
that you could go. She and- she didn't defend that. She didn't defend the question. She said LeBron was acting like a jerk. I was like, that's a terrible question. Right. It's just a terrible question. Whereas the other guy with the Draymond Green question, he could have worded it better, but it's still a legitimate thing to ask. Yeah. Which I think I thought that's what I said. Oh. <laughs> that's exactly what you said. Ex- Ramos heard. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> I must have not heard it that way then. You're listening to nonstop, nonstop, nonstop music. <laughs> yeah, that was nonsense music. But, oh, that's exactly what I said. I said the first one, uh, the second one was a legitimate question. The first one was a dumb question. I must have not heard you correctly. Then. I mean, like, look, the, the question asking, then I said, I believe I said, it. press conferences when televised, they do show just how bad a job some people do at asking who, what, when, why, how. Right? Who, what, when, why, how. But I think it's fair to ask Draymond Green, like, hey, you haven't acted like a, like a spaz, right? Why not? He somehow got those kicks all of a sudden that were out of control. All of a sudden, oh, now he can control them. Well, Sweep the leg. he's also not as big a part of the game plan. Like, he's not getting the ball in places to score. Like, he's legitimately a fifth weapon to stand out there. They dare you to shoot, crash the boards, punch the ball out, right? Like, he's not doing much. Whereas with, without Durant, he had to do more. So, I I don't I'm not willing to call the series over. I do think that the series uh, will change some, and it'll get super physical, and Cleveland will try and slow it down. But I continue to look at it and I'm like there's just a lot of bad matchups that the Cleveland Cavaliers have in regards to guarding the Golden State Warriors. There's an expression that goes like this: a rising tide lifts all boats. Have you guys heard that one? I'm fascinated to know whether or not that's the case. Like, will it make other teams better? I do think other teams are better than the Spurs were hurt, the Clippers were hurt. Um, I think the Jazz are young, although they're get, they have a chance to lose some of their older pieces. I do think that the, the Wizards are going to get better. Um, I would think that the Pelicans have a chance to be decent here. Oklahoma City, that was kind of reworked on the fly. There's no reason to think they can't be what they were. The Houston Rockets could be a little bit better than they were. That was, I mean, the Harden upset and the way Harden played in the elimination game, that was a surprise. I think they would have pushed Golden State a little bit more than all their other opponents. But is this, the big question to the NBA is, when you look out and Kevin Durant goes and joins a really good team, and makes a 73-win team a dominant championship team, does that make Chris Paul want to go like, you know what, the hell with it, I'm going to go join the Spurs? Does that make Gordon Hayward say, you know what, the hell with it, I'm going to go join the uh, I'm gonna go join the, the Boston Celtics? Does that make Paul George say, you know, I, you know, I, I want Chris Paul to say it, I want to get to the L.A. Clippers? Or do they all go like, yeah, all that sounds like a good idea, but I just want to go where I can make the most money. And to that, I don't know what the answer is. We are told that a rising tide lifts all boats, but I, I I don't know if that's actually true. Because Cleveland's been better and Golden State's been better, but it hasn't lifted the entirety of the NBA. The rest of the NBA is a distinct notch below these two teams. And right now, 
the Cavs are a notch below the Golden State Warriors. I've got a guy in in, uh, Oakland, and i got a guy in Cleveland. Is this thing over? And if not, what has to change in order for it to become a series? You'll find out next. Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox Sports Radio, here's Doug Gottlieb. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for. New or used, it's a True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, the Seahawks are pulling the It's Not You, It's Me card on Colin Kaepernick as they signed Austin Davis earlier today. The truth about the It's Not You, It's Me card is I will share it with you upcoming. In the meantime, uh, look, every day we try and get you guys that know more about situations and teams because they cover them on a daily basis than us national guys. We got guy, we got people everywhere. I got guys everywhere. Hey, hey. We don't know everything, but we know people that know what you want to know. You know? What the hell he say? Sounds like you need a guy. Hey, hey. I got a guy. All right, I got a guy in Oakland. His name's Damon Bruce. He hosts his own show on 95.7 The Game. That's an iHeartRadio sta- station. He's also a Warriors pregame show host. You can follow him on Twitter, at Damon Bruce. Um, I guess the first question, Damon, is that game sure felt a lot closer than the final score. I'm not the only one who felt that way, is it? You know, the Cavs played much better in Game 2 than they played in Game 1, Doug. There's no doubt. 27 assists. They score 60 in the paint. Warriors had 16 more turnovers than they had in Game 1. But I never really thought the Cavs threatened to win the game, really at any point in the game, other than getting it a little close. I've seen this team so many times to know that they're saving their pull away at some point. And, you know, look – I have. I am not a LeBron basher. I have a ton of respect for Cleveland. I'm not here to embarrass anyone or come across cocky or anything like that. But this seems like a personnel situation straight up. Not strategy, not home court advantage, days off of rest. I don't know if there's a team in the world that has ever been assembled that can really hang with the Golden State Warriors right now. I mean, unless Mark Price, Larry Nance, and Brad Doherty shows up, I don't know how the Cavs end up doing this with just LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and a handful of guys that are equally unimpressive, if not all the time, certainly in the finals. So. Uh, they're going to they're gonna muck it up, though, right? I mean, that what you do? Isn't that what you do is you, you, you make it super, super physical and you just try and make it into a, a Pier 6 brawl and, and slow the game down? Isn't that the only way in which you feel like Cleveland can compete? I've been saying that for a few years. I've been saying if I had to coach against the Warriors, I'd have Steph Curry on the deck. I'd send someone out to goon him up. I mean, that's what I would do. I would. I. I don't know how you just straight up play them and stop them without getting overly physical, drifting into dirty, and even then they got another guy who can come off the bench and fill in admirably. You know, you look at the real difference between this year and last year. Instead of taking all those open looks and missing them, Harrison Barnes last year, now it's Kevin Durant who's making them. And, and I just don't know if a change of venue, an extended series. I mean, how are the Cavs going to win four out of five? You tell me. 
How's it going to happen? I don't know how they win four out of five. They did win, what, four in a row last year, but um, it's a different year and different personnel, and I, I think it's the whole thing's fascinating. Um, last thing, I think most of us understand that the conditioning, there's a conditioning battle being won as well by Golden State, that, that Cleveland just, like LeBron ran out of gas. Kyrie is running out of gas. How are the Warriors able to not run out of gas when their opponents are? Well, I think it might start with the fact that the Warriors are now rolling out the same regular season rotation you'd see on any random Thursday night. I mean, this is the same game that they play against the Nets, the Suns, the Orlando Magic. They simply don't have the Cavs a deep enough bench to keep up with the foot race. And and there's one thing that, that Mike Brown, either for Steve Kerr or via Steve Kerr, said after game one, he just said, look, any make or miss, we're running. The Cavs do not like to run and play defense. That's why their defense wasn't very good all season long. Any way you want to measure it, they're at the bottom of the league. And if you're at the bottom of the league with defense, you just do not stand a chance against the Golden State Warriors over the course of a seven-game series. You know, Clay Thompson found his shot a little bit, Doug, last night. He didn't find it in game one. You played the game. How hard is it to sustain defensive excellence when your shot isn't falling? There's not a lot of guys who can do it, and every Golden State Warrior can do it. Yeah. The shot does not affect the defense, and if you're not ready to play hard both ways, you're not ready to play the Warriors. Damon Bruce, you can listen to him on 95.7 The Game in the Bay, in the Bay Area. That's an iHeartRadio affiliate. Of course, he part, he's part of the Warriors broadcast as well. Follow him on Twitter at Damon Bruce. Damon, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, and congrats on the move to Fox. Thanks, Damon. i got a guy. we got a guy in Cleveland, Greg Schwartz, who covers the Cavs for Bleach Report. Uh, Greg, we're being, everybody's being told, okay, 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 here's what we're going to do. Iman Shumpert in the starting lineup, J.R. Smith off the bench. Huh? Huh? Now, look, I do think that J.R. will be better against the bench players from the Warriors as opposed to going against the starters, but Iman Shumpert can't score. That, that allows the Warriors to kind of hide some people defensively. Do you think that's enough of a change to help propel these Cavs for the first win of the, of the series? Well, you're absolutely correct when you say Mon Shepard can't score, but neither can G.R. Smith this series either, apparently. Uh, it doesn't matter how much he's been on the court. They're, they're begging him to shoot, basically. And uh, Did we ever think we'd reach the point in, in 2017 where teams would be begging G.R. Smith to shoot? Uh, this, this is a landmark occasion, but that's, that's the reality. They're not getting any offense from G.R. Smith. Uh, they were impressed with Mon Shepard last night with you know, he only hit one shot, but he was he was aggressive. He got to the paint. Uh, he drew a big foul on Kevin Durant that kind of while well, they were still in the game. Uh, defensively, he's been locked in. And, and two finals ago, he played absolutely tremendous defense on and both Clay Thompson and Amon, and uh, Steph Curry. So I think they're happy with Amon Shumpert moving forward. And, and honestly, he's got to give you more than J.R. Smith's giving you at this point. All right, uh, Greg. What about what about LeBron and Kyrie wearing down? Can anything be done? Because both appeared to be gassed last night in the second half. How do you adjust to that? Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty obvious. Towards the end of the third quarter, you had you saw LeBron on the on the bench, and he was obviously worn down. A couple numbers from that in the first first half of the game, he had 16 points in the paint. Uh, he drove the ball eight times, uh, or he had eight plays in transition where he got to the basket. In the second half, he went from 16 points to four points in the paint, uh, and you could tell he had only two transition plays all half, and he was really looking for the three-pointer, uh, the, the mid-range game, just stuff that was going to make things a little easier on him. 
I mean, this is tough because the last three series, really, they've they've been able to hide LeBron James, uh, starting in the first round against the Indiana Pacers, where they said, all right, JR, you're going to go guard Paul George. LeBron, you have to take on Monta Ellis. Like, that 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 was his defensive assignment, and, that, and now it's, uh, LeBron, you have to guard Kevin Durant because we don't have anybody else that's going to do it. And, and that combined with the pace of play, when you look at this as a team that's used to playing about 90, 92, 94 maybe possessions per game, now they're over 100 possessions per game. Last night, I think I believe they were at 105 possessions. You're adding an extra 15 possessions per game, especially for a guy like LeBron that already plays 42, 43, 44 minutes a game. Uh, that, that's a pretty big increase from what he's used to the, the previous three rounds. I, I, t- I tend to agree. I, I also think that uh, it's kind of like the Clippers. Like You don't miss a, a uh, backup point guard until you do. Like I think they miss Delhi's toughness. I think, and and I mean, they've gotten nothing out of Darren Williams, and that was a problem spot for them mid-year when LeBron spoke out about their roster. What's the what's the reality of the pliability of this roster in the offseason? Like, can you manipulate? Would, are they would they be open to a big move, like a love move, or is it simply rework the bench and go with what you got? Well, I, I wrote an article right before the finals started, and I kind of, you know, was looking ahead. Okay, if if the finals end up like this, this is probably what's going to happen. Finals end up like this, this is what's going to happen. I said, if they go through these finals, and not only do they lose, if they lose in seven, probably nothing's going to change. If they lose in six and it's competitive, probably nothing's going to change. If they go through this finals and they either get swept, or they lose in five, or they lose in in, in six, but a lot of these are blowouts. I said, what are you going to do? Because you have no draft picks, uh, no draft picks you can trade. Uh, the draft pick that you do have in the first round next year isn't going to net you any real help. Uh, you don't have any uh, tradable assets, really, unless you look at Kevin Love. And Kevin Love has impressed me this series. I mean, he's been one of the few bright spots, I feel like. I, I didn't expect much from him in this series against the Warriors. I thought he's been pretty good. He's been aggressive. They've actually got to put him on the floor. But who are you going to – how else are you going to upgrade the roster? And you're not going to get rid of Kyrie. He's 25 years old. He's on a great contract. Obviously, you're not going to get rid of LeBron. Uh, Tristan Thompson and, and J.R. Smith are two guys that probably aren't going to have as much value somewhere else as they do in Cleveland. If this series isn't competitive, the only way you get better is if you work Kevin Love into a deal. And I, I, that's not a path I want to go down at this point. Great, great stuff. Uh, Greg Schwartz, our guy covering the Cleveland Cavaliers for Bleacher Report. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. All right, thank you, Doug. So you needed a guy? I'm a point guard. We got you a guy. One of the um, big injuries of the offseason in the National Football League that people haven't really kept up with, we will catch you up with. Although it's a throwing injury. Anyway, catch you, throwing. Let's find out what's trending. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. So do you guys want me to explain why I don't like the Iman Shumpert deal, uh, move? Here's why I like it, okay? What you have to understand about J.R. Smith, um, the bad is that it's too high a level for him to get a shot off he has no. He's never had a good sense of 
time or score, and he's constantly lost defensively. And you're uh, you're playing against a team that you just you can't get lost in those positions. We just heard from uh, Greg Schwartz, like, look, we can't even hide LeBron. Like, what you want to do defensively is what Golden State try, has tried to do with Steph Curry for a long time, which is hide him, right? Pick the worst guard or maybe a guy, a guard that just shoots. Like, they put Steph Curry on J.R. Smith because all he does is shoot. And he just, hey, just stay close to him. And if you can get a steal, get a steal. Otherwise, just don't leave him as a shooter. He's not going to go by you. But you, we don't want to put Steph Curry on Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is going to he's going to do him, right? That's what's going to happen. Um, but it's, it's really hard with J.R. Smith because the, what he brings to you is offense, but he's not able to get loose, and then defensively he's lost. So now he'll be going against the Ian Clarks of the world, the Sean Livingstons of the world. That's a level of player that he can score some buckets. The problem with it is, uh, what was it? LeBron got to the rim eight times in the in the first half, eight times. But one of the reasons he got to the rim so readily was because they were putting all shooters on the floor. If you have a Mon Shumpert, if you have a Mon Shumpert on the floor, then his man can be off and help because you don't they don't respect Shumpert as a shooter, and that hurts LeBron's ability to get to the rim. So don't love it. Let's get to the press. The press. Do 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 do. All right, what do you got for me there, Dan Byer? Well, let's start out on the ice tonight. It's Game Four of the Stanley Cup Final, and Predators are hosting the Penguins down two one. Okay, Preds head coach. Peter LaViolette had a message La- to send. LaViolette. La- La- LaViolette. LaViolette. La- had a message for the fans, okay? That message you would think, let's be loud. Let's let's get things going tonight in Smashville. This was the message. Hey, everyone. Showing good sportsmanship is part of being good citizens of Smashville. That means not throwing anything on the ice, putting both our players and the officials in danger. Help us secure our home ice advantage and prevent us from being penalized for unnecessary reasons. Please don't throw anything on the ice. And thank you for being the best fans in the National Hockey League. Ah, catfish warning tonight. I think they have to do the catfish warning. I don't think they really don't want the catfish just thrown on the ice. It's kind of become their thing. Plus, I mean, you want to talk about the home ice advantage? That thing felt over after two games, right? Like, the Preds uh, goaltender, I mean, he he was awful, and then all of a sudden it was like a like an onslaught. Yes, I've watched all three Stanley Cup Finals games, mostly because there's nothing else on. <laughs> you also you also probably saw the post game with PK Subban of the uh, Predators talking after the uh, game three win, saying that Sidney Crosby told him that he had bad breath. Does he have bad breath? Um, Get out. Well, Subban said that he used Listerine, and tonight, going into game four, his bag that he brought with him had two huge bottles of Listerine in that bag. So some trolling going on leading up to tonight's game four. Uh, Sidney Crosby denies that he uh, he said he made that up, said he made it all up. Um, do you, did, does, that, does the breath check work? You, that's, the, like, that's when you need a real friend. Hey, dude, get up. What's the matter? Why'd you pass out? Bad, huh? 
My wife told me recently she tried to offer somebody some gum or some mints because they needed it, and they yeah. declined. I think you always have to accept, right? Well, I know that from when you talk for three hours, your breath is usually worse afterwards. So I'm a, I and I I can't do the mint thing. I just can't. I always chew the mint before it like really works. I just can't. So I do gum. I like I like a good piece of gum. Like uh, go to gum. Bubblish is still good. Uh, one of the great things about having a little man is we do big lead chew for uh, baseball games, right? Great little great big lead chew. Well, how good is grape gum? I'm talking about grape gum, and you're like, that sounds really good right now. And then for the bre- for the fresh breast stuff, I move over to, to Orbits from like um, from like Big Red. I moved over to Orbits. I've oh, big, you don't like juice, no, no no I laugh. Big Red just brought back memories and juicy fruit. You just chew it, and then and it doesn't taste anymore. Spit it out. Have another stick. Exactly. Delicious. Uh, moving on to Major League Baseball. Nationals outfielder Bryce Harper remains the leading vote-getter for the NL All-Star team. One change from a week ago, Nats first baseman Ryan Zimmerman became the leading vote-getter in his position, overtaking the Cubs' Anthony Rizzo. So Nats and Cubs, this was also a story over the weekend as it was reported that Bryce Harper could be interested in joining the Cubs once he hits free agency. He's just searching for someone who's going to give him the big check, right? Yes, likely. that That is kind of a clown question. Here's my problem with Ryan Zimmerman uh, being an all-star first baseman, right? He sucked last year. (laughs) He was awful. He was single-handedly the most responsible offensive player for the Nats not living up to their potential. Right? He, He was bad last year. In that great lineup, he really, really struggled, correct? He's been awesome this year. You know he's leading the league in... Uh, batting average, slugging, and OPS plus. So he's been great. So I've always wondered this. Like, do we take All-Stars based upon the first, so far, 53 games? Or do we take it based upon, like, the last 162 games, what he did at the end of last year? And what about your entire career? Like, how do we dismiss what Anthony Rizzo has done in comparison to what Ryan Zimmerman has done? Very, Yeah, very, uh, very. Very good point, because the last half of the games, when the games actually mean something, too, from a year ago, maybe should be brought into the yeah, conversation. Anthony Rizzo, just so you know, Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo last year, 32 home runs, 109 RBI, 292, 385, OPS of 928. He was fourth in the MVP balloting. He had a great year, and they won the World Series. Uh, whereas this year, he's having a little bit of a down year. He's having a bad year so far. Through 54 games. To me, entire career, last entire 162, and first half of the year, all important. In the NFL, Doug, Panthers quarterback Cam Newton, ahead of schedule in his rehab following surgery in late March to repair a partially torn rotator cuff. Dab on them, folks. Uh, so what was the update? He is uh, ahead of schedule following that yeah. surgery on March I, I don't like this ahead of schedule. That's like the surgeon saying everything – He'll make a full rehab. Everything went according to plan. Like, no one has ever been behind schedule, right? Teddy Bridgewater, oh, he's ahead of schedule. Yeah, well, he's not going to play football at all this year. No, he's ahead of schedule. You just don't know what the schedule is. We don't know what the schedule is. It's his throwing shoulder, and until I see him on the football field with the Carolina Panthers, I have no idea what his future holds. 
Al Pacino has been cast to play the role of Joe Paterno in an HBO movie about former Penn State assistant Jerry Sandusky. Hoorah! Yeah, if you remember, Pacino uh, also has ties to HBO when he was played Phil Spector in the film four years ago. But uh, Al, yeah, Al Pacino going to be cast as Joe Paterno. Al, how'd you like to be the guy that plays Sandusky? Right, that's like, man, I don't. That's a, that's a role I might have to pass on. I, I know. Uh, I, hey, I, you're going to yeah. play like a really successful football coach. Cool. He becomes a child molester. Uh, you know what? And, and there's not there's not no. amount, like you have to get into character. And I'm I'm being serious about this. I love WKRP, but when Gordon Jump had to play the bad guy in the episode of Different Strokes, like that was very difficult. If it, 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 John Ramos knows what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about? That very special episode of Different Strokes no. with Dudley and Arnold and. Yeah. So no. Tell me off oh, air. Okay. No, these are these are it, these are really dated references. It, like it, these are like I remember. I was listening to Jack Benny on the radio, and no. it, that reminds oh, me I, of this. Different strokes at WKRP. I that, think, is, I, that is hardcore eighties. What you talking about, Willis? That's all I know about, and that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Um, the Seattle Seahawks are pulling the "It's Not You, It's Me" card. And it tells you all you need to know about Colin Kaepernick. Next. Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. I'm glad you guys uh, trashed the one where I rapped the song, right? You did. You got rid of that, Ramos? It's still there, but it's, ah. it's when I use it. That's what really is impressive. Ah, that's, 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 the, that's the best part about it. And I bleed through in the moment. Uh, we got a lot to get to still. Still got time. Uh, Marcel Darius is going to join us tomorrow, right, from the Buffalo Bills. Talk some football with uh, Marcel Darius. And then Terry Stotts is going to join us as well. Um. Terry Stotts, obviously, the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. He knows these Golden State Warriors well. They actually pushed the Golden State Warriors a little bit last year. This year, struggled against the Warriors. That's because the Warriors are, well, awesome. Um, we got a bunch of, you know, questions to ask him. If, if he had Cleveland's personnel, what would he do? Have some ball talk uh, tomorrow on the show as uh, we get ready for Wednesday. Remember, Wednesday is game three. Wednesday is game three. Two days in between the games. Everybody knows the line, right? The it's not you, it's me line. So Colin Kaepernick was not signed by the Seattle Seahawks. Austin Davis was. Take a listen to what Pete Carroll, head coach of the Seahawks, had to say about Colin Kaepernick. And really another opportunity for us to keep abreast of what's available to help our team. And, and uh, we've done it in a million ways. John continues to work in every, at every turn to figure out what's available, what we could do, and does it fit and does it not fit. And, uh, uh, you know, Collins has been a fantastic football player, and he's going to continue to be. Um, at this time, you know, we didn't do anything with it, but uh, we know where he is and who he is, and we had a chance to understand uh, him much more so. Uh, he's a starter in this league, you know, and, and, and uh, um, you know, I, I can't imagine that we we have a starter, you know, but he's a starter in this league, and I can't imagine that somebody won't give him a chance to play. Yeah, listen, this is it's not him; it's us. We don't have a we, we have a starter, like we don't have a spot for him. Well, you did have you had a, like, wouldn't you want a starter as your backup? Right, like you'd want him. No, no, he's a starter. No, he's if he was a starter, 
he would be starting somewhere else. Yeah. Like, he kind of plays like your starting quarterback. Not the same, but, like, he runs around back there, like, playing the Super Bowl. I don't know. I was like, well, you know, I didn't really want to buy those shoes because, you know, they're everyday shoes. Yeah, but they're, like, 80% off. Like, yeah, but they're everyday shoes. Am, am I wrong to think he he pulled it? It's not you, it's me? It's not him. He's a starter. He's great. He's He's awesome. We just have a starter. That's all. It's not him. It's not you. It's me. What he did. Which, oh yeah, by the way, that kind of reminds me of what Warren Moon said about Colin Kaepernick. I don't think Colin Kaepernick wants to be a backup. And I don't think he wants to play for the minimum. Um, I think he came up to Seattle just to take a look-see and, and see what Seattle was talking about. But I think when it all came down to it, that, that he wants to look for an opportunity where he can maybe be a starter, maybe not walk in and be the starter, but at least somewhere where he can compete to be a starter. We're kind of running out of teams here, aren't we? <laughs> right? And and look, I understand. It's a – Mike Colin Kaepernick had met with him and said, like, hey, look, I'm a starting quarterback. If you need a starting quarterback, call me. But I ain't going to come in. To, I ain't going to be no backup. Right? I mean, I'm going to – because once you're a backup, you're a backup. And I, I get that. I understand that. Like, probably his best route now would be to just sit out, wait, somebody's going to go down, and then here comes Colin Kaepernick riding white horse. Like, they're going to call Romo, and Romo's going to go like, yeah, no. I got a car I got car service. I can make what I make. This is a 25-year gig. No thanks. So then they kind of start to go down the list, right? And you got Kaepernick probably, you know, in some ways ahead of Cutler who they're going to call. But Pete Carroll just pulled it. It's not it's not you, it's me card. Which, of course, as we all know, means it's actually them. <laughs> sounds, like he, sounds like Warren Moon knew exactly what he was talking about. He either butchered the interview or he came down and he was like, hey, I love what you guys do. No disrespect. I always like competing against you. But unless you're going to offer me a starting job, I ain't going to come in here and be no backup. I'm like, all right, cool, great, good to meet you. We'll let you know, right? There's nothing worse when you do an interview and they go, we'll let you know. They just let me know. And then you got the NBA playoffs, to which NBA finals, which was really like, we're going to look back. And I know people are going to say it was just a blowout, evisceration. I felt like it was a really entertaining game. But I would also agree and say there wasn't a moment in that game where I didn't think Golden State was going to win. Like, it was three at the half, and there was a moment I go like, the Cavs got them. The Cavs got them. It's my belief that the most amount of blame that you could put on LeBron James is not based upon his play. Right, not based upon his play. I think it's LeBron James, the general manager. LeBron James, the organizer of talent. LeBron James has the is the one guy in the NBA to have the power to go. Hey, J.R. Smith, look, dude, we made you here. You were on the scrap heap. Nobody wanted you. Four for fifty-seven is way too much. Way too much. They should have been paying undervalue for these guys. Instead, they're paying 
overvalue for these guys. Overmarket value for Tristan Thompson. Overmarket value for, I guess, for Kevin Love. I guess you had to max Kevin Love. But, like, all LeBron, and LeBron James himself, why does he have to make $32 million? He's going to make hundreds of million dollars on Nike. He makes hundreds of million dollars on Beats by Dre headphones. He could have walked in and said, hey, I want to make $10 million. Go get me another player. But he didn't. Tom Brady did it. Tim Duncan did it. Dirk Nowitzki did it. LeBron didn't. And whether it's ego, pride, respect, all that stuff, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to make $60 million. But there is a salary cap now. And how you manipulate that salary cap. The reason that the Warriors are able to be the Warriors is luck and skill combined, right? Was in luck where timing and opportunity uh, collide? They drafted really well, and then they were lucky that they offered to Milwaukee Monte Ellis or Steph Curry. Milwaukee chose Monte Ellis. And then they got to re-sign Steph Curry for a four-year, $44 million deal. If not for that deal, none of this is possible. And then the salary cap spikes and opens up a window to get Kevin Durant, and it spikes up again this year, which will allow them to re-sign more of their players. But LeBron James, of all guys, he makes tons of money. He could be the guy. I'll take $10 million. It's fine. I want to play with the best players. I want them to get whatever they want to get. But he didn't. And now they're outmanned. That's it. I think it'll be competitive. I think game three would be competitive. And Pete Carroll pulled the, it's not you, it's me. Which we've all heard. And when we hear it from a girl, we know it's us. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 